So I woke up Friday morning, about three in the morning, and when I wake up, my brain is like a hamster in a wheel. It just goes. Um, And that's not good when you wake up in the middle of the night, and that's how your brain is. And it dawned on me that I hadn't shortened the sermon for today. So parents, I've shortened the sermon, I think. So I thought, I can't, I can't, I can't shorten the sermon that I was going to preach. There's no way. So that sermon is for next week. And then I thought, well, um, starting from scratch, I need to come up with a shorter sermon because we will have just fed all of these kids, all of these donuts. They're hopped up on sugar, and i got to make a shorter sermon. And I had a lot of people just come up to me in the last hour and say, all these kids on sugar. And I was like, not my problem. <laughs> I'm going to be up there preaching. And my couple of my kids are over there. I have one sitting out there somewhere else. So whoever has one of my other kids, it's your responsibility. <laughs> so I thought, I have to shorten a sermon. What do I do? And so, and I'm not a, a person who last minutes things. So I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And I thought, well, you're an Old Testament major. Find a really weird story in the Old Testament and preach that very shortly. So that was my criteria. So that's what we're going to do today. Hopefully this will be a shorter sermon. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings. It's in the Old Testament. Today we're going to be looking at a very weird episode in God's Word. I love passages like this. I live to preach passages like this one. And when you read the passage we're going to look at today, it sounds like something that would happen on Chopped on the Food Network. Are you familiar with Chopped? We're going to be looking at this obscure passage in 2 Kings that will tell us about how God feels when a church potluck goes wrong. We're going to discover this incredible, mind-blowing truth about God today. God's heart goes pitter-patter when he sees us. God's heart goes pitter-patter when we make a mess of our lives, when we find ourselves in a pickle, when our life is a mess, when our family is a mess, when we feel like we want to give up because we have made such a mess of our lives. And who hasn't been there? So turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to look at this very weird passage today that ought to give us an incredible amount of hope, even though the people in this passage almost died from a church potluck. This near-death experience will actually give us hope. So 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 38, hear the word of the Lord. And Elisha came again to Gilgal when there was a famine in the land. And as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servant, Set on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds and came and cut them up into the pot of stew, not knowing what they were. And they poured out some for the men to eat. But while they were eating of the stew, they cried out, O man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. And Elisha said, Then bring flour. And he threw it into the pot and said, Pour some out for the men 
that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Now, doesn't that just warm your heart? (laughs) Don't you read these verses about a ruined pot of stew and get the warm fuzzies? Don't you get excited when you're teaching Sunday school class? And Paula and Farah have said, this is the lesson for today? Well, I hope after today you will. What can we learn about Jesus from a pot of ruined soup? What is God trying to tell us about himself from his word when some wannabe chef ruins a whole pot of stew? And why did God record this very weird and easily forgotten dinner in his word? Is he telling us to avoid soups at a potluck? Maybe. If you're like me, you do. And how does this strange episode in the Old Testament show us the gospel and point us to Jesus? This odd story is one of my most favorite passages in the Bible because it actually tells me a lot about Jesus. And isn't that who you want to hear about in a sermon? Believe it or not, a ruined pot of soup can tell you a whole lot about Jesus. Okay, so we have the prophet Elisha, and verse 38 tells us there was a famine in the land. When you read a verse in the Bible that tells you that there's a famine in the land, you are supposed to recall that this means that God's people have been living in rebellion against him. God warned his people in the books of Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy that if they rebelled against him and they began serving and worshiping other gods, then he would be faithful to bring covenant curses upon them, to discipline them, to cause them to repent and return home. And one way that God did that, getting their attention, was by causing a famine in the land. You take away their food, they get hungry, they might just pray and seek the Lord's face. And that's where we're at in 2 Kings 4. There's a famine in the land. And that means that God's people are under his loving discipline. But it also means there's not a lot of food. Everyone was on a very strict budget. Dave Ramsey classes are packed, okay? Families are not eating out at Chick-fil-A every day. And so the phrase, my pleasure, was not heard that much in Israel in those days because nobody was going out to eat at Chick-fil-A. There were no donuts at church. So Elisha told one of his friends to make up a giant pot of stew for everyone. And then one of the guys went out into the fields and found this wild vine growing. He gathered up some of its gourds, carried them back to the kitchen. This guy doesn't know it yet, but these gourds were poisonous. So the guy put the gourds on the cutting board. He chops them up into pieces, and then he dumps them into the soup. And then after dinner, after they all filled their bowls up, and after they held hands and said grace, they took a bite and spit out the soup and said, "Ah, this is awful. This tastes like death. I have no idea what something dead tastes like, but I'm pretty sure it tastes like this. There's death in the pot. Elisha, do something. We're in a famine, and this guy just ruined our meal. Kids, Are you listening to Pastor Benji? Imagine if you were eating a bowl of Fruit Loops or Cap'n Crunch and somebody, 
like dad, came up and dumped a bunch of ketchup in your cereal. Just went, gross, right? What if dad dumped in a bunch of mayonnaise in your cereal? There's death in the bowl. Well, that's sort of what happened here. But what the guy dumped in the soup actually almost killed his friends. And so the prophet Elisha said, bring me some flour. And they poured the flour into the bad soup and they reserved it to everyone. And people actually ate it and it tasted fine. It was a miracle. Understand this. In the Old Testament, the prophets represent God. So Elisha the prophet represents God. And he turns this awful soup into something that tasted like something that maybe Bobby Flay would cook. I mean, it was a kitchen miracle. Now, why is this story in your Bible? What does a pot of bad soup have to do with the gospel? And why does God record this meal gone bad turned good in his word? And what in the world does God want to tell us about himself from this pot of soup? Here's the answer. He wants to tell us that he cares. That he cares about everything that happens in our lives. And isn't that what you need to be reminded of every day of your life? That God actually cares about what is happening in your life? God recorded this story in his word to remind us that his resurrection power is available for us. His death soup-defying power is available to us in the mundane and ordinary and messy moments of our lives. And God records this story to remind us Because we often forget that he really does care about us. And so all of the mundane, ordinary, boring, and messy, and broken, and drama-filled things that happen in our lives really matter to Jesus. In other words, daily bread actually matters to God. How did Jesus instruct us to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. So our daily bread, our daily needs really matter to Jesus because he told us to pray about them. So he sees you today. He sees all of your needs, everything that's going on in your life, in your world, in your heart. And he has compassion on you because he is the good shepherd. Now, you and me, we're just a bunch of dumb sheep, aren't we? We make mistakes. We sin. We mess up. We do stupid things. We ruin dinners. We add poisonous peppers to soups and we ruin them. We're just like the nation of Israel. We walk away from God. We chase after other lovers. We love our precious idols, our darling sins. And yet, Jesus still, he still loves us. He knows what's in our hearts more than we do. 
and he still loves us. Wow. So why is this weird story about the ruined soup recorded in God's word? Alec Motier, who was this Old Testament scholar, gives us the answer. He said this, The Old Testament is the place where we learn about the good shepherd looking after his sheep. God is in love with us. His heart goes pitter-patter when he sees us. That's so plain in the Old Testament. So when you're reading the Old Testament and you don't know what's happening, what's going on, why God recorded that, just remember and say to yourself, oh yeah, the Old Testament, this is the place where I'm supposed to learn about the good shepherd, how his heart goes pitter-patter when he sees his people. That's what we're supposed to see here in 2 Kings 4. God is looking after his sheep, looking after his people in the middle of a famine. And they have walked away from him. And he's still looking out for them. His people are hungry. The grocery uh, store shelves are empty. And Yahweh's love moves out to care for hungry people who burned their dinner. His heart actually went pitter-patter when the soup was ruined. Think about that. What kind of a God are we dealing with here, Grace? One that cares if you burn your dinner in the middle of a famine. Listen, Jesus is not indifferent. And this is why 2 Kings 4 is in your Bible. Jesus is not indifferent to your struggles, your pain, your sorrows, your heartache. He cares. All that is happening in your life, everything that is happening in your world, the drama, the chaos, the heartache, the sadness, the grief, all of it actually moves your Savior to compassion. This is what our shepherd feels for us. He is infinitely glorious. And yet he cares about a ruined meal. That's why Jesus came to die in our place. Because he cares. Because we're just dumb sheep. And we have a great shepherd. The good shepherd. And sometimes we do Stupid things, dumb things, even very sinful things. And he still loves us. Sometimes we do dumb things like throw some poisonous vegetables into a bowl of minestrone soup. Understand this. Jesus did not say, come to me all who have it all together. Jesus did not say, come to me all who look good on Instagram. Jesus didn't say, come to me all who know their Bibles forwards and backwards. Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He welcomes people who are broken by Adam's sin. He welcomes people with baggage. He welcomes people and families and parents and spouses with issues. He welcomes people who mess up. And people who are messed up. People who can't seem to get their act together. People with a past that still haunts them. People who are greeted each morning with a list of regrets. And people who ruin a, spot, a pot of stew during a famine. Just like this guy in Second Kings. 
this morning. Jesus is inviting all parents who blow it and feel like they aren't doing a good job. And I suspect that there are a few here. Jesus invites all parents who blow it and feel like they're not doing a good job. Jesus is inviting all parents who have regrets and wish they could go back and raise their kids better. He's inviting husbands and wives who are at best just functional roommates. He's inviting people who secretly or maybe even outwardly wish they'd never gotten married. He's inviting young people who are trying to find their place in this world. Singles, old people, middle-aged people. Jesus looks at all of us and he says, I'll take them all. I want them all. In the gospel, he demands nothing of us. He just gives. In the gospel, Jesus demands nothing of us. He just gives. He simply announces the good news. God simply announces the good news that he has given us, poor sinners, wayward sheep, messed up people, he has given his son to be our savior. So the gospel is the good news that the son has indeed laid down his life for his sheep. And our shepherd will seek us out when we roam, just like the nation of Israel. And he will bring us back to the green pastures and the still waters that restore our souls. Just like the original audience of 2 Kings. Do you know who they were? It's the nation of Israel. 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Kings, they're one book in the Old Testament, uh, in the Hebrew Bible. 1 and 2 Kings were written to God's people Israel as they set in exile in Babylon. They had walked away from Yahweh, worshiping other gods, and they wound up as slaves in Babylon. And Second Kings was written for them. And this episode from Worst Cooks in Gilgal gave them hope. An amateur chef's mistake was a message of good news for these Israelites who had blown it and were dealing with the consequences of their sin in exile in Babylon. And it's a message of good news for us, too. This weird passage should give you an injection of hope and comfort. It should lift your burdens and make you want to dance. This story about some well-meaning wannabe chef who ruined a good pot of soup when money was tight is what your heart needs today because it should remind you that God really cares about you. A ruined pot of soup matters to Jesus. Think about that. A ruined pot of soup matters to Jesus. Amazing. Who is this God who cares so much for his people? Who is this God that we love and serve who cares so deeply for his people? The author of 2 Kings, inspired by the Holy Spirit, recorded this story because he wants you to know that God's heart goes pitter-patter when he sees you. The healed soup was the heart of God in action for this guy who stupidly threw poisonous vegetables into the soup. And this story of this guy who stupidly threw poisonous vegetables into the soup was written down in 2 Kings to encourage the church in exile in Babylon that God would not forsake them. 
The written down story of this guy who stupidly threw poisonous vegetables into the soup was God's heart in action for those in Babylon who were suffering the consequences of their sin. And the story of this guy who stupidly threw poisonous vegetables into the soup was written down for us, as Paul says in Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written, that's 2 Kings 4, stupid guy throwing in poisonous vegetables in the soup, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. And it's proof of God's heart in action for us. To remind us that even when we do stupid things and sinful things, he will not forsake us. This weird episode in 2 Kings is supposed to reinforce in your mind the love and care that Jesus has for you right now. Maybe Jesus had me switch sermons today just to reinforce in your mind that he loves you and he cares about everything that's going on in your life. Somebody came here to church today feeling like God doesn't love you. Feeling like God doesn't care. And Jesus told me to tell you that his heart is going pitter-patter for you right now. You came to church today so that Jesus could tell you that. And you thought you came for the donuts today. Jesus had other plans. A bowl of soup ruined because of some stupid guy who thought he could compete on the show Chopped on the Food Network seems like a very boring, mundane event in Israel's history that would and should be forgotten, but it wasn't. It's recorded here in God's Word for you, for me, for us on February 27th, 2022. And here's why. Because boring, mundane situations and Stupid, sinful moments in our home and in our lives are more than just boring, mundane situations and stupid, sinful moments. They become opportunities for us to be confronted with the healing power of Jesus, with his resurrection power. Sinful and stupid and mundane moments become moments where our little kingdoms of self collide with the kingdom of God. They become moments where the kingdom of God, where the grace of Jesus graciously intrudes and helps to reorient our hearts. They become moments where we can be reminded that Jesus really does care for us. Listen, God is trying to recapture the hearts of his people in Babylon, in exile, and he does it through a handful of flour thrown into a ruined Stu, who does that? God does. He's so creative. He could have said, I care for you in Babylon. But he said, you know what? In my sovereignty, this is going to happen. And a prophet's going to throw some flour in there. And it's going to make it the best soup anybody's ever had. And it's going to be proof that I care for y'all in Babylon. Who does that? God does. He's wooing his people back to him in 2 Kings 4 as they set in exile In Babylon. Like a shepherd, he is caring for them and he will carry them home. And that's what the gospel is all about. God is saying to us, Come on home. Come back. I don't care what you've done. Return. I'm merciful. And here's the proof 
Jesus lived, died, and rose again to prove it. 2 Kings 4 is in the Bible to remind you that God's heart goes pitter-patter when he sees you. God's heart goes pitter-patter when he sees everything going on in your life that's overwhelming you, so fear not. Cry out to him. Trust him. God's heart goes pitter-patter when he sees everything going on in that little heart of yours. So fear not. Cry out to him. You can trust him. He's given us a promise in Psalm 94, 19. It was our, part of our call to worship. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. When the cares of your heart are many, may the consolations of your very caring Savior cheer your soul. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for what a caring Savior you are. You are the good shepherd. You laid your life down for us. You call on us in your word to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. That's an invitation that you've given to us. Help us to do that, Lord. There are people here who are going through things in their life, struggling. There's pain, there's drama, there's grief, there's sadness, there's sorrow, and they feel overwhelmed. And we're all there at some point in our life, Jesus. Would you comfort us? Would you strengthen us? Would you come near to the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds? Help us to have hope today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at that. That was shorter than I even thought it was. So stand and sing.